This is the Bob Olin Show on KDAL. All right, Bob, here we go. It's actually uh, feeling like spring for a change out there this morning. Boy, what a change a week can make. It was just <laughs> last, <laughs> last week we were about uh, ice and snow and everything mm-hmm. blowing around, and we're melting things in a real hurry now, aren't we? Yeah, finally uh, we might get down to grass here one of these days. Yeah, we may, and we'll talk a little bit about that so far. Now, we've got some real warm temperatures coming, a lot of concern about flooding. Uh, what I've observed so far is the, the soil is absorbing a lot of this. So uh, hopefully we're obviously going to get a little bit of runoff, but uh, this is all good, setting us up really well for the uh, growing season. We were a little dry, and obviously we had parts of the state of Minnesota that were droughty, and with the need for grain and everything else in the world right now, uh, this is all all been very good. We don't want to run too much of it down the great Mississippi or up the great Lakes, down the great river here. But in the meantime, uh, this looks good. We're setting ourselves up for really a really good growing season, Dave. Yeah, it looks like more precipitation on the way this weekend, too. So if it gets too dry, there's always that. Yeah, there's always that. It might be a little too much of a good thing, but uh, we don't have a whole lot of control about that. Have you noticed that? That is true. The weather does its own <laughs> thing. It does its own thing, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about planning schedules. You know, I think you got to do two things. You really have to watch the calendar as well as uh, the thermometer, and uh, we really don't know how this is going to open up. The month of May can be so critical. I know last year uh, we had a lot of snow on the ground. Everyone's anticipating. Matter of fact, I saw it on a website locally here that, uh, boy, don't put anything out till mid-June. I'm just uh, I'm going to say don't. <laughs> Don't follow that advice because a lot of people held back last year and very few people got their transplants either grown or purchased in the month of May and they delayed into June and then they had a real difficult time ripening tomatoes. So what we what we learned at least is that uh, we have to watch. You have to be ready to go. If you've got transplants purchased, they could always be hardened off. And then when suddenly uh, temperatures break, if it is cold coming into the month of uh, May there when things break, we got to move pretty quickly because we don't want to miss that sunlight that comes uh, this time of year. And, Dave, you're always good about that. Why don't you give us, if you can, uh, what sunrise or what sunset? The days are getting longer rather dramatically right uh, now. Sun was up this morning at 629. It'll set at 751 this evening. It's almost 8 o'clock before it gets dark. Yeah, isn't that something? And that makes such a big difference. I think in attitudes and the way we feel about mm-hmm. <laughs> the winter – uh, just passed. It was quite a winter, wasn't it? Wow. Yep. Another sign yeah, of, uh, sure sign of spring would be the spring gardening extravaganza. You got that coming up this weekend already. Oh, we do. And uh, we are really looking forward to this. I'm actually pretty charged about it. I've got <laughs> about 12, <laughs> 12 different speakers that are mm-hmm. coming. Uh, where Our theme is going to be designing your own northern cottage garden. And this is, of course... Uh, it's certainly that new landscape uh, design theme and style. It's been around since the 1800s, but it's uh, it's kind of uh, experienced a resurgence uh, because of the Netflix series, The Bridgertons. And uh, this is really going to be a lot of fun. We've got a professional landscape designer that's made his living this, this way, and he's volunteering his services. We've got a rose expert, Julie Overham, that uh, developed Cherry Frost. If you're not familiar with that rose, it is, uh, it's gone nationwide. She spent, I think, about 28 years selecting for that uh, as a, 
as a, a professional breeder. She changed her careers and decided to become a rose breeder. And uh, I have been very pleasantly surprised. It's now got natural national distribution through a couple little outfits uh, like Home Depot and Menards. And of course, this is huge to get your uh, your rose into that kind of a setting. And it's going internationally, going to be sold through Europe and going to be sold in uh, in uh, mainland China now into Asia. So I think it's uh, pretty remarkable we have a local breeder. She's going to talk a little bit about the old-fashioned roses that went into a uh, cottage garden design, and then it's going to do a workshop session in the afternoon, specifically on shrub roses. You know, we put together a resource book, which uh, I just finished up. got to read the proof this morning. It's 122 pages, and it doesn't does include her um, her material on shrub roses for the area, but all of our speakers have contributed to this book, and uh, I feel very, very good about that. That's going to be part of the day. Right. We already have requests from people who want to buy it, and it hasn't even been being printed this morning. <laughs> so. <laughs> so that's that's a good sign, yeah. all locally developed just for this conference coming up on Saturday down at the depot. It's always very popular, and is a room left, Bob? We are getting tight, so if people want to uh, get on board, uh, you really want to uh, you just Google Spring Gardening Extravaganza. That'll pull up. Uh, you can register online there, or you can call 733-2870-218-733-2870, St. Louis County Extension. Uh, get in now, because uh, we are going to have to cut it off. Uh, we just have a sense that uh, we can only handle very maximum about 75 180 something like that mm-hmm. and uh we've got so much going on that day it's going to start at nine in the morning and then we're going to roll till about three in the afternoon three thirty rather and afternoon workshop sessions propagating houseplants will be able to take uh houseplant propagation with you you uh, winter sowing session a discussion on how to prune fruit trees which maybe we'll have an opportunity to talk about here in the show sure. but you're actually going to get talk with someone that's that's done done that troy salzer is going to be handle that uh we've got sessions um certainly on vegetable growing uh tomatoes as well as the new cauliflowers and i'm going to do a little segment on uh, optimizing or maximizing the yield from your garden for anyone that's concerned about food supply and economics uh, i'm going to show you some uh, high density planning how to grow vertically so some i put together a session on that that's going to be kind of interesting if you're interested in the vegetable side of things but we've also got a pollinator session coming up and we've got a resources for you i really work with all of our presenters and i want them to uh have some content in this resource book, which is all part of the day that you're going to get so that you can't get to all 13 workshop sessions, right. but you're going to have a reference that will go along with it. So it's like you'll be able to get all the content from the day uh, in person or in the book when you're done with the day. Sounds super. It's an all-day affair, 9 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. at the depot. It's this Saturday. And again, as Bob mentioned, just Google uh, Spring Gardening Extravaganza and all get you to the right spot it'll come up and uh i'm sitting there listen now if you want to get there uh get there today because i don't think we're going to have a whole lot of space later in the week all right we'll take a break bob and be right back more of the bob olin show here on kdal coming up and we're back with the bob olin show bob last sunday easter sunday a lot of folks either got gifted with or maybe purchased an easter lily for the occasion uh once the bloom is done we throw them out right 
<laughs> Absolutely not. You know, I was just going to kind of segue into yeah. that discussion. So uh, great minds must be able to read each other or something here, Dave. <laughs> yeah, you can yes, actually and, uh, uh, make them continue growing, I guess. Yes, you can. Now, here's what you want to do. Uh, obviously, pretty chilly outside, so mm. we're not sticking them out there. We're going to enjoy the bloom. And uh, they'll bloom typically, maybe at least for another week, maybe two, depending on how tight the buds were when you bought them. As soon as that bloom, bloom is spent, you can just cut the bloom off, and then you've got all of the, the strap leaves, the nice lily, there's a nice bulb under there that this came from. And you're gonna just to find a nice, uh, I like east windows or a south window. Uh, we don't want it too hot, but we want a much bright light as we can take advantage of here because we're going to start this process of recharging that bulb. So ultimately what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to get another uh, bloom to form within the bulb. So you're going to be uh, growing it out now and taking advantage of all the light you can at this point. Um, some of these are on kind of light soils. When you buy them, they use the peat mixes. And just make sure there's a drain hole in the bottom. Make sure that that's if it's foil wrapped, and so many of them are foil wrapped, let's get puncture that foil so make sure we get some of the water that drains out and you want to water it you want to supply a little bit of a water soluble fertilizer to it so we're going to be uh, growing it out in the sun in the house and then we're going to wait until the danger of frost is passed and we're just going to move it outside and uh, probably the best thing to do is to is to dig it into the ground bulbs going to go down about uh, six inches or so and you're just going to encourage it to grow uh, during the entire growing season. And if you've got lighter soils there without a lot of compost in there, then we're going to supply a little bit of fertility as we go through the year. So we want good growth. You want full sun. And then, uh, you know, you're just going to leave it in the ground. And with a little bit of luck, you'll get it to pop up. And uh, if we were able to get enough additional sugar stored so we get a bulb form, in many cases, we want to get this mulch in with a little bit of straw mulch coming into the uh, fall months. We'll let them cool down a little bit. So when we get temperatures down around 22, 23 degrees, we'll get our straw mulch on the top, and then we'll peel that off in the spring. Should reemerge, and with a little, little luck, uh, you'll get some bloom again the next year. Sometimes uh, these can get we can get multiple years if we got a wow. we got a good sight out of it. So. Uh, it's something that uh, it's one of those gifts. If it was gifted to you, or if you bought it for yourself, uh, they keep right on giving, and uh, you can uh, definitely move them outside if you handle it that way. That's super. And uh, by next spring, they'll be popping out of the snow. <laughs> yeah, our spring <laughs> just our in spring time for Easter again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There'll be plenty of moisture. <laughs> so uh, that is a good point, though. You don't want to plant them necessarily in a real heavy clay, particularly yeah. all this. Uh, moisture that we have and what's apparently coming uh, so when we get outside uh, we want a good well-drained spot this is where we talk about that compost and the importance of composting you know I'm a little bit of a fanatic our soils are low in organic here they run naturally you know half to one percent and we really want to get them up five ten even fifteen percent we look at some of those great soils down in the southern Minnesota and in Iowa where we deposited all of this organic material nature did over thousands and thousands of years we weren't blessed that way up here we've got uh, soils if you've got a sandy loam that's very low in organic and you want to make sure that you get your compost in there uh, so that uh, we are able to hold some of the moisture so the combination heavy soils with compost we get better drainage light sandy soils we get some moisture retention so Whatever your soil type is, 
Uh, you've got um, you've got uh, an advantage by getting some of that compost in there. One of our good sponsors, Western Lake Superior Sanitary District, will be running their composting system. So there you can buy it by the pickup load if you like, wow. or or they've got a great product uh, bagged up. So for us in northeastern Minnesota, organics in that soil uh, are very, very important. Oh, we've got kind of a late spring going on here with snow still on the ground in most places. All those uh, bulbs that you planted last fall, are they going to wait till the snow is gone to pop out, I would imagine? Yeah, they will. Now, this is the interesting thing. We don't know how the how the spring is going to move along here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've got things like tulips, I, I like to always keep a little bit of snow and keep them under the snow, hold ah. them back, because if we get uh, if we get some warm conditions that emerge, and then we suddenly get very sharp cold temperatures, yeah. then we've got some problems. I think that uh, you, what you want to do is you want to... Uh, Maybe on the north side of the house, a nice little reservoir of snow, and keep those tulips in particular, keep them back so that in the event that uh, obviously they can merge on a warm day, most of everything is under snow, although I know in town there are things that have melted down rather dramatically, haven't yeah. they, Dave? They have, and especially in, uh, you know, where you got the sun shining on it. Right, right, right. So, yes, we are going to begin to see perennial material, the daylilies are going to be beginning to emerge, and uh, they're they're okay. They take the colder temperatures. But uh, if you got tulips that you put in the ground last fall, they begin to emerge. We want to hold those back because we never know. We You know, they'll take a light frost, but certainly they're not going to take uh, 25 degrees, which we could very well get. We're a long ways away, of course, <laughs> from our last frost-free date, which is in uh, in early June. So we just want to be just a little conscious, holding back at this particular time. Yeah, lows over the weekend in the 20s, and we'll be highs in the 30s again uh, by Sunday. So I guess uh, yeah, winter is not officially over yet. <laughs> not for us. No. <laughs> yeah, where did I see you? I saw a headline in the paper, uh, and, and I actually had to pull this out. This was uh, <laughs> up on the range. Let me let me read this to you. All right. Uh, this says winter is just too short. <laughs> so, <laughs> too short. There's an article there about every every gentleman that lives for the cold. He just lives for the coldest uh-huh. season of the year, and he's one of very few people I think that uh, <laughs> uh, is disappointed in the warmer temperatures this week. So each his own. We're all a little different, are we? Yeah, and you know, if you want it warmer, go south. If you want it colder, head north. But we're kind of in the yeah. Middle. I think the I think the geese got that one figured out. <laughs> yeah, <for sure. laughs> yeah. I noticed the geese are back already, so I'm not sure if that means anything or not. Uh, just so they keep going north, I don't need too many in my front yard. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll take another break. More of the Bob Olin Show coming up. We're at nine thirty three here at KDAL. And we are back more of the Bob Olin Show here on a Tuesday morning on KDAL. Bob, uh, what happened to the uh, maple syrup season? That's uh, kind of an issue at this point. Well, it is that. It is kind of an issue at this point. And it's been a real unusual year. Some of our Mm -hmm. supers got a little bit earlier. I don't think it's overwhelming. Right now, the concern we have, of course, is it's very, very warm. You need, ideally, temperatures of about 45 degrees during the day, nice and warm there, but then a quick drop down to about 20 or the low 20s. We need that kind of a combination. And we had a couple of days like that, so some of the sap did begin to flow. But now we're in this situation where we're going to have what? Did I hear 70s potentially over the hill, days? Yeah, right? possibility for low 70s uh, tomorrow. 
Yes, yeah, it's very, very warm. Mm-hmm. And then the evening temperatures don't get cold. So in many cases, all that sap gets up there, doesn't run back down, and uh, misses the collection bucket and starts to break some of those buds. So uh, all I'm saying is I'm glad I, I do it a little <laughs> bit of it uh, yeah. just as a hobby. And I sympathize with folks that are trying to do it uh, commercially because sometimes you have good years, sometimes you don't have good years. And I think it's going to be a little bit light. So if you've got a little maple syrup there this year, I think, or if you're collecting a little, cooking a little down, I think it's going to be a, a very valuable commodity this year. How are your trees doing at this point? Uh, I have a little sap, but I'm like uh, a lot of folks. Uh, not too much has happened yet. So okay. I'm, uh, I will be a little low on sap. It can change. It depends mm-hmm. kind of what happens here with this warm spell. If we don't get the buds to break, once buds begin to break, it's all over. Oh. But if that doesn't occur, and, and the fact we've got so much snow on the ground, it's possible that uh, maybe that'll be delayed because we are getting some conditions after the weekend that look very conducive again to sap flow. So we never give up, but we're getting a little late in the season. We're off to a very slow start. At least that's my perspective and what I've heard from a couple of other uh, maple syrupers out there. Well, hopefully you'll get enough to cover some pancakes for you later in the month. Yeah, one pancake meal. I, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm one of these guys who got lots of different hobbies out there. Ah, I, I guess go. one wall I am happy if I uh, <laughs> if I get one grouse in the fall. I'm happy. I'm never I'm never hard on the resource. If I get a little a couple cups of maple syrup, I'm happy. So <laughs> I don't I I don't pull hard on the resource uh, at all in any ways. All right, you talked earlier about this is a good time to do some pruning on the old uh, fruit trees, right? Yeah, it really is, and we've got some nice weather. Uh, I don't know, you might, you know, maybe you can take a little advantage of that snow. I've been out there, and uh, you break through pretty fast, and there's still three feet in the, in the woods <laughs> out there, so you gotta got to put the snowshoes on, but actually it's a great time. Uh, you don't have to get step ladders out. You can uh, make a cup, one or two of those real strategic cuts on your fruit tree, and I say if you uh, don't know how to do that or how to renovate uh, spring gardening extravagans, we're going to have a real nice session on that one, pruning it up, uh, not only pruning up the fruit trees, but repairing some of the winter damage that's occurred because those heavy stoves brought a lot of a lot of limbs down. We've got to get some of those cleaned up for the overall health of, uh, of our deciduous as well as some of the conifers that are out there. So we want to make sure that, uh, and I'm sure that session is going to cover some of the uh, best ways to prune up some of the winter damage so that uh, that'll be useful but uh, you know as we melt things down we're going to have a lot of snow mold out there without a doubt on the ground Uh, this is something that we're not going to be overly concerned about snow mold we have both pink and gray snow molds that are very descriptive because this fungi actually is either pink or gray in color Um, they typically we have a lot of uh, fungal disease that can cause a lot of damage in the lawns but not this one. So you just want to let it go. Uh, when we do melt, the uh, soils are going to be saturated. So I don't think we want to start too much activity too early as things begin to melt down here. Uh, we want to get uh, that moisture off there. Compaction is our enemy there. We want our soils tend to be a little heavier if you've got clays along the North Shore over there in, in Douglas County and uh, Superior, Wisconsin there, where we got heavy soils to begin with we don't want any compaction so we want to kind of let things go for a bit uh, if you've got open grass just pick up a few of the limbs clean up some of the trees but uh, not a lot of heavy traffic at this point uh, because we want we don't want compaction uh, that's kind of the enemy to uh, good root development so there's going to be plenty to do going forward uh, actually the long winter uh, lots of moisture you know we're really looking forward to good spring 
you can start thinking if you're going to start some of your seed at this particular point. I think tomatoes can get in there, and uh, we can get those going. Um, had a couple of questions from people on their their seeding mixes. Remember, uh, if you're going to try this yourself, that you need uh, number one, you need a pasteurized mix. It doesn't have to be sterile. This is for your seeding media we're talking about now. So you're not going to use just a garden soil. You're not going to use uh, a potting soil mix. Many of these potting soil mixes will actually have a fertilizer component. We don't want that when we're germinating the seed because that small little uh, embryonic seedling there is uh, very sensitive to fertilizer salts. So you want an actual seeding mix or you can mix 50-50 perlite and vermiculite uh, just to get the seed started. And then we're going to obviously transplant into a more complete uh, potting soil mix. In the case of tomatoes, after we've got one or two true leaves, then we lift them and we, we move them and uh, transplant them. And then we have to make sure we have adequate light. So your sunny southern exposure is going to be important. But for most people, if you don't have a greenhouse, you'll need some kind of an artificial lighting system. It doesn't have to be elaborate. A couple of good uh, fluorescent uh, tubes in a shop light fixture will we'll do the job for you but you're going to need some supplemental light otherwise things take off they stretch and that's really the advantage of a greenhouse situation the disadvantage is i'm sure fuel bills went through the roof for some of our <laughs> folks locally this year yeah. with some of the cold days we had in march there but we're looking forward to that um, again you can think about that peppers and uh, tomatoes some of the early season broccoli and so forth Coming in here to mid-April is a, is a good time to get some of these things started, Dave. All right, let's get, head to the phone and get a question here real quick. Hi, who's this? Hi, this is Pat from South Range. Hi, Pat. Go ahead. Hi. Well, happy spring to you, Pat. Hi, Bob. How you doing? We're doing well. It's really nice to, nice to hear from you. What you got going? You got big plans for the uh, growing season this year? Yes, but I got into your program a little late, and I'm just wondering now, with all the snow and stuff, we had a hard time getting to our apple and plum trees. And is it too late to go out and prune now? Oh, it's a really good question. It is not. It's just about ideal. One of my little concerns with all this snow out there is that we could have some sunscald damage. So, you know, if you've got young trees with very thin bark, and it may sound a little nutty to you, but I would not hesitate to take a good uh, white latex paint and just get some of that white latex on the south side of the trees because this is the time okay. of year where that snow comes down, bounces off the, or rather the sun comes down on the south side, bounces off the snow, and the, the sap begins to flow, and then we get colder temperatures at night, and that breaks the cell tissue down, so we get quite a bit of damage. South side of the tree, if you didn't have them wrapped, and if you're out there and you're going to be doing some pruning, um, I think it's an ideal time to prune. It's comfortable. And uh, we're going to have some warmer temperatures here. And once again, sometimes all it takes is one or two strategic cuts every year. Unfortunately, uh, sometimes trees go 20, 30 years and no one's pruned them up. And you have to go through a renovation process, still can be done, to bring that fruit or that tree back uh, to optimum health for productivity. But you're absolutely right. Well, Let's we... think about pruning. Let's think about protecting young trees. Don't worry about the older ones, but the young ones... Uh, with some kind of protection on the south side. Well, we have an older an older Haroldson, and I'm just wondering. It has so many water sprouts this year, and we're just wondering if it can go in and get them off before before it yeah, gets we much later. Take, yeah, I take them off right now. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. You're right, and you got an older Haroldson, good variety. 
lasts a long time. That was introduced in, I think, the early 20s, the University of Minnesota introduction, and it, uh, it's just rock solid, as hardy as all get out. But yeah, with the pruning thing. process, we get water sprouts, and these are actually, uh, and you can describe them, they're, they're kind of, they're vertical sprouts, typically that come off some of the limbs. They come in places where you wouldn't expect to sprout. It's called adventitious sprouting, and it actually comes from the hormones as they get re- rearranged and actually in the pruning process that's why we don't want to over prune because we 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 mix these auctions down they hit this other cell tissue and they they pop buds on us and they're going to be weak growth they're not going to produce uh, much in terms of uh, fruit production they're not really fruiting spurs so go right in there anything any of these smaller water sprouts prune them off as soon as possible okay great thanks a lot Bob. Yeah. we'll see you at the farm Thank market you, Pat. <laughs> Yeah, it's part of spring. It's really nice to really nice to hear from Pat uh, and from South Range area. That's fantastic. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Let's take another break, Bob. Be right back. More of the Bob Olin Show on KDAL. And we're back. More of the Bob Olin Show. Bob, you were talking about winter damage on trees, and sadly, usually when the branches break, they don't break off cleanly. <laughs> they end up peeling some of the bark away with it. What do you do in that case? Well, you are absolutely right. We're all going to have a little cleanup. A couple of mm-hmm. real heavy storms. Boy, that brought yeah. down a lot of limbs. You know, the enemy of any any tree is moisture that gets into the heart, heart of the tree. You know, we've got, obviously, we've got bark that's uh, adapted and handles all the rain and whatnot. But when we have open wounds like that, you know, the... Uh, the living portion of the tree is the outside of that diameter, and uh, we get into the heartwood on the inside. And if we've got pockets, so you want to think a little bit about the rain coming down. Do I have a pocket there where moisture is going to collect, ultimately leading to rot? You start to rot the interior of the tree, and pretty soon that tree is going to be gone. So you want to take a little look. You want nice, clean cuts. Um, you know, whether you're doing with a handsaw or if you're doing mechanically, uh, you want to be uh, just a little careful. The, the regrowing portion of the tree itself, we call it the cambium layer, and that's going to be just inside the outer bark. There's an inner bark layer in there. So uh, you want to make sure you got some nice clean cuts there, and uh, sometimes a little easier to do on a younger tree than a larger tree, and everyone always wants to be careful, particularly if you're up on step ladders and other things. Uh, extreme caution is uh, is warranted there. But take a little look. Imagine where the water is going to fall. Let's clean things out. Uh, you typically want to stay away from uh, oil-based paints. You can cause more damage uh, than good there. If you feel better with a pruning paint, get an actual anesthetic pruning paint that you can buy from probably from one of our sponsors. Dan's, I'm sure, has some pruning paint over there. And uh, I think that uh, that that can be warranted. At least you're not going to do any harm. Oil-based uh, uh, paints oftentimes will actually attract some of the fungi, which destroy the wood itself so we want to be a little careful there nice smooth bark something where the water will roll off until that cambium layer on the outside edges can come in and conceal that that wound off naturally so those are good points we've all got a little, little cleanup probably in some cases a lot of cleanup that we're going to be doing uh, from some of those very very heavy snows that we did have but we are looking forward to it you know it's a great time of year days are getting longer we're talking about the growing season the garden season it isn't going to be here long and I think more than ever, Dave, you listen to some of the news and you think the whole world's going to end. Uh, it's not going to. <laughs> and, uh, Let's hope not. Get out there and take, take a look at the uh, uh, the beauty of spring. I think it's always that time of year that uh, lifts everybody's spirits. So 
get out there, and that's one of the themes we're going to have this weekend at Spring Gardening Extravaganza, share the joy with everyone, because I think everyone needs a little bit more more joy in their lives. So I will go back to that again for our listeners. If you want to get in, we've got maybe 10 or 20 spaces left. So uh, get in, Spring Gardening Extravaganza, call 733-2870, 213-3-2870, or just Google Spring Gardening Extravaganza, and you can apply on online that way. Full day, uh, so many things even to mention, uh, mention some of the houseplant things. we got a session on herbs and cooking with herbs, growing them. We want to strive for uh, better health for people, certainly. We're going to give you a, a, a packet of basil seed when you come in, as well as the book and everything else. Let you sign up for the workshop. It's going to be a fun, fun day, even though I guess we got rain coming on the weekend. Come and be nice and warm, nice and comfortable. We're down at the depot. We'll be in the auditorium. Great session on uh, on all the materials, the resources have been developed specifically, again, for this program. A lot of references in terms of plants for pollinator gardens, plants for your cottage garden theme uh, our designer has offered to spend the rest of the day after his presentation over the noon hour if you have individual design consultation questions about your landscape he's going to supply that I think we've got catalogs coming we've got uh, a gentleman that's going to talk about hardscapes and pavers he also has indicated that over the noon hour he will uh, answer specific questions about uh, your infrastructure sidewalks, driveways retaining walls so there's an awful lot going on for the day and I want to thank all the participants our master gardeners that are so responsible for so much of this day so we're going to have a good day Saturday get in and and get your reservation in because it will fill this year one more question I think we got time for go ahead oh let's do that shall we yeah this is Cosmo Um, what's your forecast for the SWDs this year oh there you go uh, he's talking about this spotted wing Drosophila, which is this nemesis on raspberries as well as other small fruits. Yeah, isn't it remarkable that uh, we had a couple of light years? They were so devastating, as this gentleman knows. It's a pest that attacks the very ripe fruit, injects the uh, eggs into this uh, druplet on raspberries, and, and basically uh, the larvae emerges from that and destroys your crop. It really took out the commercial industry for us in northeastern Minnesota because to maintain a crop with this pest, you had to go through such a rigorous spray program that most people did not want to do that. And I can't answer this gentleman's question because it surprised us. We didn't know, quite honestly, were these blowing in on the wind? And they're a very small fruit fly. I guess I didn't describe them as such. Very small, uh, very devastating. We didn't know if they were blowing in on the winds or if they were overwintering, and we had what we call a, a native or an indigenous population. Uh, the last year, or in some cases two years now, we haven't had the issue. I am optimistic. I don't know for sure and can't answer the question, but um, certainly uh, we want to get back to raspberries. It's one of the great fruits for this area. It's native. And I tell people all you have to do is uh, pick every two days and make sure that you uh, either process or freeze and you won't have an issue. So for home gardeners, I think if you're prompt on picking them, there won't be an issue. So let's go and plant some raspberry plants for sure. They were part of the uh, cottage gardens way back when in in England as well. But uh, I can't answer specifically. We're all just waiting and going to see what's going to happen, okay? 
We'll keep our fingers crossed. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> Thanks for the call. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, kind of sad that, uh, yeah, it's a little bug can make such a big difference. Very, very challenging. And uh, I know we had a, a number of pick-your-own raspberry operations. One by one just couldn't fight wow. this. Many of them like to stay organic, and uh, some of the organic controls weren't effective, extraordinarily expensive. We had systems where we had exclusion in some areas uh, for production. They actually had to build houses over it with a real fine web. They'd have an air chamber so these critters wouldn't get in as workers went in. Major, major expense to produce without any type of pesticides. Some of the bigger producers just had to go to uh, very rigorous pesticide schedules, all with waiting periods. It's expensive. No one wants to do that. So it's been a major, major, not just in Minnesota, but certainly in the major uh, fruit production regions in, in the country, Michigan, as well as the Pacific uh, Northwest. I have no explanation for why we were blessed the last couple of years, but hopefully this uh, this process continues. Uh, we're just going to have to wait and see this year. All right, Bob. Well, good luck on the uh, spring gardening extravaganza. That's again on Saturday at the depot from uh, 9 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. It's an all-day deal, so you get actually get lunch included, right? Uh, lunch is in the deal, yeah. and uh, we're, we're in the resource book, and a lot of really great information for sure. All right, sounds good. That number to call again and reserve your spot soon, 218-733-2870. Bob, as always, thanks, and we'll catch you again next week. Thank you, Dave, and thanks to all of our callers. We're looking forward to another great spring here. The Bob Olin Show has been brought to you by Dan's Garden Center, located inside Dan's Feed Bin on Hammond Avenue in Superior. And by Matilda's Dog Bakery and Pet Nutrition Center in Lakeside across from the Lakewalk. News, weather, sports. 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL.